Justin Tucker, the senior, on to try a 40-yard field goal out of the hold of Cade McCrary. The final play of the rivalry. Good snap and hold. Tucker's kick is up. Justin's kick is good! It's good! Welcome to the Texas Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Lockby. Once again, joined by my brother, Clint. In this episode, our first Inside the Numbers. How you doing, brother? Hey, pretty good. You know, sitting here drinking on Dos Equis, kind of just going through some stats. Uh, I think we picked five stats tonight that I think are going to be important moving into Big 12 play. Obviously, with the first game against Texas Tech, uh, moving into TCU, and then into Oklahoma will be the next, the first three in Big 12 play. So kind of wanted to start off, like, I think probably the most important, um, obviously, position on the field is, is the quarterback position. I think we wanted to talk a little bit about quarterback pressure and, and then talk a little bit about uh, average time to throw on all dropbacks uh, when it comes to, really, Casey Thompson and Hudson Card. So if you look at it from a stat standpoint, guys really have had about 91 dropback passes at this particular point, according to, to Pro Football Focus. Um, 70 attempts. Um, out of those 70 attempts, they've completed 48 passes for about a 68.6 average uh, between the both of them for about 8.2 yards per, per play, five touchdowns and one interception, which reads really, really well. Um, I, I, don't, I think at this particular point, there's not much quarterbacks um, haven't really done it th- at this time because of the run game. Your, your thoughts on their stats? No, they're really, really similar. Uh, like you said, Casey and his 39 dropbacks was 24 for 31 attempts. Of course, eight scrambles in there. But their yards per attempt is relatively similar, 8.5 for Casey and, and 8.1 for Hudson. But ultimately, it comes down to scoring points on drives, and that's what Casey's been able to do, you know, consistently from the last, you know, Colorado game and through this season and his appearances. But we'll dive deeper into the stats and let them know what you see a little bit deeper. So, yeah, um, as, as Pro Football Focus um, has it uh, currently, Casey Thompson sits at about 73.6 uh, when it comes to the pass, 70 to the run. But I think what's most important to take away from their, their stats that they have is how does a quarterback react under pressure? Um, and when you look at it, Casey Thompson, if you're looking at total pressure generated by, by the defense, you're looking at 10 times with zero sacks with a uh, percentage of pressure turned into sacks, which I think is important. I think the reason is is because we, we go back to what we talked about before, and I think that is being able to get the ball out of his hand as fast as he possibly can because uh, currently we're looking at, you know, average time to throw on all dropbacks is right around 2.96 seconds per throw. Um, if you look at that same stat from, from Hudson Card, he, he spread pressure 21 times with six sacks, and I forgot to say uh, Casey Thompson hasn't been sacked at this particular point. And I think that's, you know, obviously he's, he goes through his reads. If he doesn't have a read – He's dropping down and he's taking off as soon as he possibly can or, or finding that quick out, which I think is important as, as you're trying to deal with an offensive line that's still trying to mesh moving forward. Uh, but that same time to throw in the uh, dropbacks for Hudson Card is somewhere around 3.59 seconds, which is actually quite a bit longer than what Casey Thompson has. And I think that is just kind of holding on the ball over time. Um, and I think that's what's led to more pressure and, and more sacks. Yeah, 100%. So. That dynamic is six-tenths of a second longer than, than Casey Thompson holds the football. And it's what we saw on film, and we talked about prior to Casey getting the starting job, is you could see that he was more decisive. Back in the Colorado game, it was it was he never he never patted the ball. It was I'm looking at read one, read two. If I don't have it, sometimes I got to get a little bit earlier in my takeoff. There was a, a drive of possession or play in the first drive against Rice right before we hopped on here. I was watching. 
And I thought he took off just a little bit too quick because the pocket was still solidified. But at least he made a decisive decision that didn't create a negative play. So he's not going to be that guy that tucks, you know, taps the ball two or three times through his progressions and then takes a sack. He's been known, like you said, he got zero sacks on the season and has been solid. Like every time he gets the football, he goes down and scores points, regardless of it's touchdown or field goal. And that's what you need to put pressure on the other team. So very, very, very solid performance by Casey Thompson against Rice and, and throughout the season. Two points I want to bring up on this. Um, you were talking about going back to that Rice game, and there was a there was a throw across the middle, really across the field, um, that he made to Kate Brewer under pressure. And, and that was finding his outlet, you know, his last really look and finding that outlet to Kate uh, to, to Kate Brewer across the field. I, I think where you're gonna find Casey Thompson is probably gonna make a, a few more mistakes when it comes to probably throwing a couple, couple of interceptions because he's going to try to fit a pass into, into a wide receiver where it may not be there. And I think that just comes with that decisiveness. But again, I'd rather quarterback, you know, have an opportunity to think that he can put it into a tight window and, and, and make the throw versus not making the throw at all and taking a sack. And then all of a sudden you're behind the chains. Right. So I'll, I'll equate this to one senior leader told me in the army one time, it's called tactical patience. Like, yes, you want to get the throw out as quickly as possible. You want to complete the assignment as quickly as possible. But if the assignment's not rock solid and it's not 100% product because you're trying to just get it out to meet a suspense, then it's not it's not good. And so I think that's what Hudson Carr didn't have that Casey Thompson does is tactical patience. Like, he has the experience to look at – and I think that's three years of college football that he has under his belt. Yes, he said he didn't play much behind Sam, but he, but he always – Work like he was going to be the starter. He always watched film like he was going to be the starter. He always prepared like he was going to be the starter. So mental reps to him are the same as actual reps. And, and Steve Sarkeesian talk, kind of talked about this in his press conference the other day, how he gets better as the week goes on. When it's scout team, when it's seven on seven, when it's, you know, good against good, when it's, you know, walkthrough, he progressively gets better as the week goes on. He's what we've talked about as a gamer. He may not perform well in practice, but when the lights come on and it's, it's time to show, he's that guy. And so I would ex- I would say that Casey Thompson has tactical patience. Like he understands what's what he sees pre-snap. He understands what he sees post-snap. He knows where his progressions are. And if he reaches a certain point, then he's tactically patient to a point where he's going to take off. I, I think uh, with that tactical patience, uh, I think leaning on your playmakers is what's going to be important moving into Big 12 play. And, and he has those right now. And I think he was able to find those in the Rice game. Again, you're going step by step. You know, obviously, we, we played Louisiana. Um, it was a nice game there. And then, obviously, Arkansas, we, we tumbled a little bit, got into the Rice, but was able to score 44 points going into halftime. Eventually, wound up scoring 58 points and leaving them zero on the board at the end of that game. But I think it comes down to getting your playmakers the ball in space. And I think that's what you're going to wind up seeing, you know, starting this weekend. Um, Obviously, this is Texas Tech weekend where we're putting out Texas Tech going into TCU because I think if you go back and look at the film, and we'll do this during our pregame on on our YouTube live, you know, we'll we'll talk more into the Texas Tech piece, but you'll see that they're going to bring a lot of pressure. And that's going to come from Schooler. Um, They're probably going to light him up all over the field. So they're going to try to bring pressure. They're going to try to minimize how much time he has in the pocket. So he's going to have to find those check downs uh, pretty fast. And he's got some guys in in Bijan, Roshan, Keela Robinson, and and Xavier Worthy to work with. I talked about tactical patience a little bit earlier. Maybe we should exercise tactical patience against Arkansas because what's the common denominator in, in games where we perform? It was the running game. Establish the running game. Don't go away from the running game. You're already only down 16 nothing at half. You came back and made it 16-7. Unfortunately, your defense, you know, gave away that touchdown to make it 23-7. But the one common denominator that we didn't have against Arkansas that we had against Louisiana and Rice was 
dominance in the running game. So let's establish the running game first and then use our RPO game and, and play action to, to counteract whatever Texas Tech does in the box. Well, uh, they're going to do a lot in the box. Um, I, I, I can tell you right now, right now, uh, their defense is leading the way when it comes to that. And I think they're currently giving up only 1.8 yards per carry, 57 yards per game over the last three games in the run game. But so, they're going to have to do that. Yeah. They're, they're going to have to sell out for the run game, which is why the outside receivers need to find a way to get open. And then Casey sees the right progression. If he doesn't have the right progression, then he, he takes off. But yeah, 100% establish the run game against Texas Tech. So, so uh, let's get off quarterbacks and let's move to, to discipline football because I think that's the most important thing. And I think two stats we're going to look at um, in the 2021 season, me and Jeremy are going to look at penalties and, and tackling. So we'll, we'll start off with penalties first because it's almost hidden yardage. And we've seen it in the 2020 season when we had, uh, obviously it was, a, it was a shortened season, had 10 games, um, 81 penalties. So you're looking at probably about 8.1 penalties per game, um, adding up to 770 hidden yards um, or 77 yards a game. Hell, that's almost a football field in penalties. Yeah, we we did talk about this all season last year, was the hidden yards, the undisciplined play after penalties, you know, or after the play penalties, like hitting a guy out of bounds or continuing to play after the whistle or just those things that allowed you to find yourself behind the chains. And, and Sam, with all his great accomplishments, really wasn't a guy who could get you back from second and 15. Second and 18, because he had to be more decisive with his throws and more – more economical with his throws and more accurate with his throws. And so our offense was kind of designed around the run game, which it still has this year, but you're not putting yourself behind the chains on your own emission. Like you may take a sack here and there. I think it's the number that you had thus far is six sacks, all taken by Hudson Card. Didn't have one in the last game. So if you can keep yourself, you know, not, not creating sacks for the other team and not providing penalties penalty yards for them, then you find yourselves ahead of the change, you move the football down the field, and ultimately score 58 points. And I think it was 21 points against Arkansas and a little bit more. I think it was 38 against uh, Louisiana. But, yeah, you can be more efficient on offense if you don't put yourself behind the chains. We all know. And, and I think I could have broke this down a little bit more. I think I could have done it penalty yards down a distance. And I think that's important because I felt like we were putting ourselves behind the chains on first down a lot last year. In, in, you know, in holding penalties or, 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 or procedure penalties or lining up wrong. Um, and I think that's where it winds, you know, you start off first in, in 10 and then all of a sudden you're going back first in 15 or first in 20 if you get a holding call, which puts us behind the chain. So let's, let's talk positive real quick with this team thus far, three games in, 13 penalties, 96 yards total, 32 yards per, uh, 32 yards per game, 4.3 penalties per game, two against Rice for 12 yards. Virtually the same roster. I think this is where this experienced coaching staff takes takes hold and, and you understand that they make a, make a difference on game day is because there was hardly any turnover on the roster. You know, you lost your, your quarterback, you lost Joe Osai, you lost Taquan Graham, you lost several players, Sam Cosby. But ultimately, this roster is pretty solidified. I think we had uh, eight returning starters on offense, seven returning starters on defense, so 15 total starters. The roster is the same. You know, the two deeps essentially the same, but it's their attention to detail and, these, and them instilling discipline in these guys. It's allowed them to only give up, like you said, 32 yards per game, which is really, really good, really phenomenal, to be honest with you. So we'll see how it trends going towards the Big 12. I, I feel like in higher-pressure games, probably you're, you're, you're trying to – get off the ball a little quicker. You might try to get off the snap a little quicker. So we'll see how it leverages as we get into to conference play and then postseason, but really encouraged at this point. 
I think there's three aspects of, of a disciplined football team. And I'm gonna say I'm gonna say there's I think there's three. I you're looking at penalties, tackling, and I probably special teams is probably where you're gonna see the discipline from your football team. Where where they stand, you know, obviously is punt return, blocks in the back, you know, how you field punts, kick games, so on and so forth. And I think penalties and, and tackling are the the other two when it when you're probably gonna see the most discipline out of your football team or where you should see the most discipline out of your football team as well. I would I would add two gap discipline for the defensive line, like being your gap. Be be that teammate you're supposed to be, you know, like do your job. And then for the offensive line, you know, listen to Jake Major's calls, figure out who your guy, who your responsibility is and, and get on that guy. But, yeah, definitely listening to the play caller on defense, listen to the play caller on offense and then executing what your job is. Don't try to do somebody else's job. Don't overthink it. Trust the defense that Pete Kukowski gives you. Trust the offense that Steve Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood give you and do your assignment. That, that would be my add-ons to discipline football. Yeah, so as we talk about numbers, I think it's important to uh, let you know that Texas Football Talk at this particular point is presented by DraftKings Sports. Week two football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week three with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week, one game, to receive $150 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot and millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. That's 1-800-9-W-I-T-H-I-T. Excellent read, Clint. How, how, how awesome is it that TPN you know, sponsors or we're part of the TPVN broadcast network. DraftKings now sponsored Texas football talk, like the progression over this year, like just listen to you read the sponsor, uh, just, just excited me, you know, for this continuing football season, but that guys like DraftKings are jumping on board with Texas football talk. So please do exactly what Clint said, like log into their site, you know, enter your daily fantasy and enjoy week three of, of NFL football, because it was NFL read, what would be week four in Texas football season and, and support DraftKings and TPPN yeah. Network. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Absolutely. Promo code. Again, that's promo code TPPN. Uh, just go ahead and type that in as promo code, and, and that will get you to your uh, $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. All right, let's move on to tackling. Another piece of that discipline that uh, I think where we've lacked over the last couple of years from a program standpoint. Kind of want to go through some numbers here. In, in 2020, we had 100, and this according to, to football, Pro Football Focus, had 133 missed tackles in 2020, 19 missed tackles against Texas Tech, which would have been our worst graded out uh, game in 2020. Obviously, the game we're going to be playing this week. And I think it comes down to really getting their players in space and us missing a whole bunch of tackles, what led to that overtime game there in Lubbock last year. Your thoughts on our tackling situation? So you talk about the defensive backs, right? You talk about Josh Thompson, Sean James, and Anthony Cook, and Darian Dunn. If cornerbacks are willing to tackle, 
And we talked about this senior-laden defensive back group. You know, we want to add B.J. Foster, Brendan Schooler into that mix. If, if your defensive backs are willing to tackle, what does that say the, to the front seven of your football team? Is that we are here to handle business. The moment you get the ball, we're going to put you on the ground. And Steve Sarkeesian terms it like that. He doesn't say we're going to tackle. He says the moment you get the ball, we're going to put you on the ground. And they have shown that they have a willingness to tackle from the secondary that should translate to the front seven. And that's why we're, I think we've solidified ourselves as a good tackling football team. Again, we're going to progress through the Big 12 season starts this, this week. Uh, we played Louisiana, we played Arkansas, we played Bryce. But we'll see how we tackle against what you said was the worst tackling performance of 2020 against Texas Tech. We need to consider, continue to see that progression and that, that like you said, um, disciplined tackling method. Guy catches the ball in front of you, put him on the ground. That's what's necessary. Because yak yardage adds up to explosive plays. Explosive plays add up to scoring points. And we want to score more points than Texas Tech and then TCU and then Oklahoma and subsequently. So, uh, yeah, keep doing what you're doing, defensive backs. Uh, I think it will translate to the front seven, and I'm excited to see what they do this week. Yeah, like Jeremy's talking about, if you if you look at Josh Thompson, Deshaun Jameson, Anthony Cook um, – uh, three starters on that defense. They've had 31 opportunities to make a tackle, and they've missed zero. And I think one I was telling Jeremy before we came on here tonight, one of the best tackles I've seen in years was probably Josh Thompson, and, and that was against the game of Rice. But again, um, if you go back and look at the two, 2021 numbers at this particular point, you have 37 missed tackles. Uh, you had 10 against Louisiana. I think that was on one play. Obviously, Arkansas was a debacle there. Um, you had 20 missed tackles, and then you came back against Rice and, and had seven missed tackles. So your four leading tacklers on the team at this uh, at this point into the season early into the season again according to pro football focus is is Deshaun Amos Jamison with 86.4 grade Anthony Cook with 85.3 grade um, 80 a Josh Thompson 84.6 and then Darian Dunn they're all cornerbacks they're all cornerbacks so new football coach new defensive back coach you know teaching how to tackle I think is absolutely probably the most important thing we probably could have took away um, from the spring and fall this year yeah, when I know we've turned the corner is when the guys who make the most tackles, talking about DeMarvin Overshone and Luke Brockmeyer and that linebacker core, are entering grades like Deshaun Jameson, Anthony Cook, Josh Thompson, Darian Dunn. We made it. You know what I mean? Like the guys who are responsible for making 10, 15 tackles per game or, or tackling at this percentage to, to equal the secondary, then there's no limit to what that defense could do, to be honest with you. Yeah, so I, the jury's talking about it. I don't have the grades up here in front of me, but I can tell you DeMarvin Overshone and I think B.J. Foster um, from a safety position, if I'm looking at the pro football focus numbers, I think they're probably at the bottom of there, right? I think they've had a lot of opportunities. I think, again, you, you only had so many opportunities, so your your percentage is going to be a little higher than it would be as you go through the season and have more opportunities. But I think DeMarvin Overshone and B.J. Foster, obviously, at this particular point, are, are at the bottom of the total pole when it's come to tackling. Thus far. Yeah, you talk about your most impressive tackle. I really like Darian Dunn against Louisiana, where he lined up on that guy head on head and then snapped, knocked the ball out of his hands, and then somebody else came in and recovered it. Like, that was the most solid, probably most fundamental tackle I've seen all year with the strip, with us getting the football on the other end. So, yeah, I really appreciate Darian Dunn, you know, getting in there, putting his hat in there and make, making that kind of stop with the turnover. All right. So we've talked quarterbacks. We have talked tackling. We've talked penalties. Uh, let's get to – Red zone, offensive, defense, because I think as of now, this is probably the best stat that I've seen or probably the most important stat through the first three games is how many times we've scored in the red zone versus how many times that we've allowed our opponent to get in the red zone and, and keep them to minimum touchdowns versus field goals. 
Um, so if you look at it, I always going to start with the, I'm going to start with the 2020 numbers here. We had 56 opportunities in the red zone. Uh, we scored 48 times for 85.71 percentage. And then if you look at it from from a from a touchdown to field goal standpoint, in those 56 attempts, you've had 48 48 scores. 37 of those being touchdowns, 11 of those being field goals. And then on the defense side of the ball, which it's a scary number, and you don't realize how bad it is until you start pulling up these stats. We allowed our opponents to go into the red zone 49 times. Out of those 49 times, they scored 40 times at 80, 81.63%, which is really, really high compared to where we're at now. Um, obviously, three games in, have a long ways to go. But if we keep on this same trajectory, 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 I think you find yourself in a good place at the end of the season because uh, currently 13, you've been in the red zone 14 times as, as an offense, scored 13 times. One of those, that one time was a missed field goal by Dicker the kicker. Every other, every other score was a touchdown. So you're currently scoring at 92.86 in the red zone and you're only giving up 58.33 in the red zone, 12 attempts, and you've only given up seven, seven scores. And I think I want to say, Majority of those field goals versus touchdowns. And if I give up four points versus seven points all day long, that that's a that's a that's a way to win football games. Yeah, it's still like it's ha- I'm happy about the stat. Like you said, 13 out of 14 positions we scored touchdowns. The one time we didn't score, we missed a field goal. Uh, but the seven out of 12, 58.33 percent, you got to feel it's all Arkansas. Like you you're you, you're paying because. That one game that you kind of stepped out of your your norm or your 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 normal modus operandi, and you didn't run the football, and you allowed them to run the football on you, was was consequential in this stat. So yeah, I'm very happy uh, with 13 out of 14 scores, 13 being touchdowns. But I, I'm sad at the same time because I feel like seven out of 12 mostly happened against Arkansas uh, when they had long you know sustained drives against us. And, and we're our defense about we're our defense about. So so you're looking to continue this stat and not have it jump up for individual games. Like be solid all year long in in red zone efficiency. And they're definitely showing that on offense. And I don't I don't think that's going to change. I think the evolution of Steve Sarkeesian's offense going forward is only going to add more plays to the playbook. It's only going to add more looks. It's only going to make us more, you know, definitive when we get down inside the 20. And I I don't see this stat changing very much to be honest with you as far as scores inside the red zone and hopefully like you said the 13 out of 14 possessions we scored 13 touchdowns so let's continue to score seven and not three and I think that allows us to pull away from most opponents that we play in big 12 play so so we I know uh going back and look at the stats I don't we've only given up one reception over 30 yards I think one reception over 40 yards over the first three games um and I'm actually looking at the the Alabama, uh, the Arkansas Texas um score short score sheet here if you go back and look at it, um, they scored a touchdown, 30 yards, so outside of the red zone. The next one was a 26-yard uh, touchdown, again outside of the red zone. And then you had a field goal, you had a field goal, 22-yard field goal. So that was a red, that was obviously red zone. And then a touchdown, one-yard touchdown, red zone. And then a, I believe a five-yard touchdown was red zone, and everything else was outside of the red zone. So they did make some good stops and stops at Arkansas because they were put back in, in in positions, a couple of positions. You know, obviously Dicker the kicker fumbled the ball uh, on a punt that put your defense behind the the eight ball there, and they had to stop them in the red zone. to I think to to get a field goal? So even when they've been put in positions on, on the other side of the fifty, they've always come out on top, um, just allowing field goals versus those those touchdowns. Yeah, we talked about you know penalties, turnovers is a big deal too. Like you don't want your defense having to play a short field because if they get the ball inside the red zone with a sudden change, it's hard to keep them out, you know? So yeah, we definitely need to limit turnovers inside the red zone, you know, in order to help us, you know, keep that percentage down. Definitely agree with that. Yeah. Our turnovers are even, at the, uh, even 
right now um, through three games. No plus or minus. We're even across the board. All right. I think we can have an elite running game if we go outside. Go outside. It's that simple, you think? Uh, yeah. To me, it makes sense. You know, your average yards per carry outside the left end is 8.3 yards per carry. Your average rush outside the right end is 7.5 yards per carry. When you run the middle behind, you know, inside the left guard, right guard, you kind of, you know, fall off to 5.2, 4.7. Uh, there is that one anomaly out there, that one variable. If you run directly behind the right guard at this point, who is Junior Angelau, you have 18.4 yards per carry, but that's kind of driven by a 65-yard run that was added in. So that average is kind of summated. But, yeah, so to be more consistent, 16 carries for 132, 8.3 yards per attempt outside the left end, 22 attempts for 164 and 7.5. Get the ball outside, man. Get Bijan, did stiff-arm cornerbacks, safeties, outside linebackers, and move to the third level. Yeah, so I've been hollering, you know, run the zone, run the zone for about two two weeks now. Uh, and I think that's where it starts at. It, I think the running backs that you have, they find their own space. When you spread them out, they'll find their own holes because they're they're, they're one cut guys and get downhill. They're not trying to they're not trying to run around the backfield to try to figure out where they're going to go next. They're put your foot in the ground, make one cut without losing speed and, and, and head downhill. You had a thought, Joe? Yeah, and one or one and two are so physical. Like I said, it's not just one cut, but it's one cut get to the second level and stiff arm an outside linebacker or a safety or a corner. Like Roshan and Bijan are that kind of guys who get to the secondary and then they treat them very badly. Keelan's just that, you know, once he gets to the second level, he can outrun everybody. You know, you saw that. Like he split, you know, those two defensive backs like a thoroughbred. You know what I mean? Like he was gone. You know, it's weird that the speed that he has. But the the the, the top two just have that physical physicality once they get to the second level and third level that they'll just dominate one-on-one defenders, you know, push them down the ground and continue to get yards. So that's what you want to do. You want to get them past that defensive line. You want to get past that 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 linebacker core. And once they get to that third level, it's a mismatch. So, so I think the easiest way to do that is not run them into those guys, but run them outside of those guys. If you can solidify the edges. So I think Keelan Robinson reached 23.7 miles per hour. So fast. So fast. I showed that video. I showed that video to my wife and she was like, it looked like those other guys were standing still as he was running by them. Yeah. Like they were literally in front of him and he ran past them. It's weird. It's great. I think it's I think it's equivalent to like uh, like a four three forty. I think twenty three point seven miles is equivalent to like four four three forty. The equivalent is Evan Stewart on, on, on high school film. Like he literally does that. Like get that guy in this twenty two class because he's the same guy as Keelan Robinson and up the field. I think Steve Sarkeesian's gonna have some plays for Keelan Robinson in the slots, which is way for it. Just okay. wait for it. All right. No, it's awesome. uh, let's go back to this run. This run, because uh, I want to talk about some of the pro football focus numbers real quick. Uh, zone versus gap. So if you're looking at the the zone grades, believe it or not, everybody's been in on Denzel Okafor for the last three weeks. He actually grades out the highest when you're zone blocking at, at 82. Junior Anglau right at about 80.6, and then Jared Wiley, uh, who's had some, who had some really really good blocks during that Rice game. Um, he actually uh, carried a guy into the end zone on one of Bijan's touchdowns. He's currently sitting at 80.5. Uh, but if you go over to the other side, there's not no one over um, a 70 grade in, in the gap scheme. And I, so I think moving forward as we get into the season, until these guys can mesh and Kyle Flood can get them to do what he needs them to do and be able to move bodies from the center out, I think it's going to be all zone. Yeah, obviously, you're going to have to have some belly plays, belly plays, belly plays. But I think you're going to see a lot more zone runs moving Texas Tech in and forward. 
But but zone blocking is set on a pre-snap alignment by the front seven. Like when it with no movement. Like we walk up the line, hey, I got him, I got him, I got him. Gap blocking is when they slide the defensive line or the line. A lot of what Arkansas did. You know, they were they were moving the defensive line and sliding linebackers into that. So I don't want to tell the game plan to everybody else we're playing, but move pre-snap. Like show them something early and pre-snap movement is is what they have a hard time with. When they can identify, they walk up and they see a three-four front. Hey, I got him, I got him, I got him, I got him. They're they're solid. It's when they move. That communication piece, like you said, you know, they need more time to say, hey, I got this guy. I got this guy. My adjustments, this guy. That's when they struggle. So if everybody in the Big 12 would just line up and stay where they are pre-snap, we'd really appreciate it. Don't move your guys around. But at this point, our guys need to be get better at pre-snap alignment changes by the defensive front and the off in the linebackers. That's 100% what it is. Yeah. So, hey, our thoughts, five Specific things inside the numbers, uh, we'll kind of try to change it up, you know, talk probably wide receivers a little bit next week, um, try to change it up each, each and every week. So everybody kind of gets the, the, the numbers piece of it. Your thoughts, man, on our first inside the numbers. No, I thought it was great. I, I thought that was awesome. I, I really like diving into the analytics. Clint did all the research. I just kind of looked at him about 50. I'll be honest with you. I kind of looked at him about 30 minutes before we came on, but I love it. You know, it makes you solidify what you saw on film. So what you see in the numbers that guys that watch film over and over and over again, day in and day out, you know, see in your football team, it kind of solidifies your thoughts in certain areas. And it kind of makes you want to go back and look at other areas of your football team again to see to see what you may be missing. But no, I had I had a blast doing it. Absolutely. I want to do this read, not all of it. One more time. I'll probably just narrow it down real quick. Uh, Download the DraftKings Sports app now. Uh, and use promo code TPPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN. The Pigskin, that stands for the Pigskin Podcast Network. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. That again, that's promo code TPPN, the Pigskin Podcast Network. We appreciate you listening as always. We hope you enjoyed this Inside the Numbers podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at the, uh, at Text Football Talk on Instagram at Text Football Talk and on Twitter at TX Football Talk. And you can find us on any uh, really podcast platform, Spotify, Apple, Google, you, you name it. You can find us. All you got to do is type in Text Football Talk. We're going to have quite a few more podcasts. This is something that me and Jeremy are going to start doing probably on Wednesday nights. And then we'll push it out on Thursday, Friday. And then we'll do our uh, pregame lives on Thursdays, um, unless one of our high school football teams is playing on a Thursday. And then we'll push it to a Friday. And then we'll always do our postgame after the games, thirty about 30 to 45 minutes, sometimes sooner after the games are over with. So we appreciate you listening as always. And y'all have a wonderful rest of your week and hook them. Hook them. <laughs>